0: Cities. Designed for protection, commons for communities to flourish. All over the world, cities have changed the way we live as humans on this earth. In 2007, for the first time in humanity, more people were living in urban rather than rural areas. The consequences of our industrial economy were affecting the environment in grave ways. It was in the 1970s that the environmental movement was truly born.
1: President Carter at the time put solar panels on his lawn of the White House, which subsequently were torn down by President Reagan.
0: On this episode of Market Hunt, we explore the future of how our cities will be built. is hard. You need to have support there. And practicality, though, Roon, this is an enormous task that you're challenging yourself with.
1: I fell in love. I easily fall in love. The most stupid invention of humankind ever.
0: It must be a Norwegian thing. We're coming up with some pretty interesting ideas. We solved <laughs> solved <laughs> we've solved it. We've solved everything. we solved it all. It all started at the United Nations World Urban Forum Conference in Vancouver, British Columbia, back in 2005. Among the participants was Rune Khonshag, a Norwegian-born social entrepreneur and McGill University School of Architecture student. Rune's group was studying the impacts of urban agriculture as a means to transform cities and make them more sustainable. The big idea was on developing how cities could become more self-sufficient in food, water, and energy.
1: 2005 also marked the year when humanity, for the first time in our history, became mostly urban. Before that, uh, we had been mostly rural or nomadic, going from nomadic to to rural to urban. And uh, now we are becoming increasingly urban. And I think it's more and more important that cities are able to be self-sufficient in food and water and energy. And Productive House came out as a response to that challenge to see how, in particular, individual households can play a larger part in being autonomous, yet integrated with the urban fabric and to support uh, diversity, both cultural and ecological. So the values of productive still are today, many years later, autonomy, integration, and diversity based on that project we did way back when.
0: Designing for sustainability. Where did this novel idea come from? Rune elaborates. I'm not the first
1: social entrepreneur or pioneer who who is trying to grapple with houses that are more efficient or green or sustainable. There has been a lot of attempts by pioneers like myself to make pilot projects throughout the years. There was a peak in this pioneering effort in the 70s uh, after the oil crisis with OPEC. President Carter at the time put solar panels on his lawn of the White House, which subsequently were torn down by President Reagan. And uh, the 80s uh, became a departure from that initial uh, attempt at greening our economy. I think it has done a very strong comeback lately with uh, the onset of uh, climate change now also due to huge migrations due to war and, and natural disasters and looming housing crisis in and around cities, especially financial centers such as Paris, New York, um, London, LA, San Francisco, linked to Silicon Valley, Oslo, you name it. Every city core on the planet are plagued with the same problem of housing shortages.
0: How about some hard numbers? 10,000 people waiting for housing in Canada's capital city in Ottawa. 5,000 people are without even a shelter spot and living on the streets of San Francisco. London's homelessness rate has tripled since 2010. The reason behind the spike has been a soaring cost of housing prices. In fact, recent findings predict that a 10% rise in housing prices leads to an 8% jump in homelessness rates.
1: Current construction practices are not able to address this. So as of the last five years or so, I put all my attention to reinventing the value chain of construction and figuring out better, cheaper, faster ways of building um, healthy homes and safe jobs, or I should say safe homes and healthy jobs, because homes and jobs is very much related. And I think we have to address both.
0: Okay. So there is a major problem here in a sense that housing the way we build, how we assemble materials, and dispose of waste, it's all wrong. It's not sustainable in its current form.
1: It was actually in North America that we started to innovate in a modular building solution with pre-cut wood. But that was like 200 years ago. And since then, Europe has gotten way, way ahead of the kind of stick buildings uh, we know about in the North America now and the kind of container homes that you're shipping on trucks and and that kind of modular thinking, which is really quite backwards. If you compare with what's happening in in Europe and uh, to a certain extent Singapore and and Southeast Asia, there are now movements towards panelized, Uh, construction methods, just-in-time methods, industry um, uh, 4.0, using uh, automation and robotics and digital platforms and big data and IoT, all those catchphrases uh, that people are throwing around now are making headways into construction.
0: Easy there, Rune. What do you mean big data is making it into construction? What exactly is wrong with construction?
1: In Europe, we see that construction industry is lagging behind uh, what I think the marketplace is uh, ready for. And I even saw that with the productive house in uh, Montreal, uh, which was ready in 2009, 10 years ago, that the marketplace was ready, but industry was not. So there seems to be a problem on the supply side. And so productive now is really working with with the research universities. Uh, prototyping and working working with strategic suppliers in engineered wood, uh, producing you know uh, laminated veneer lumber LVL and cross laminated timber CLT, uh, because these are stable engineered products that can benefit from from CNC machining and and robots. So that we are using these digital platforms and modern methods to try to bring up the speed. Bring down the cost, eliminate all the errors on the construction site, eliminate all the waste on the construction site. In in a way, we are trying to eliminate all hand tools on the construction site and just make systems click together in a very modular way. And by eliminating hand tools from the construction site, you're also eliminating all decision making from the construction site. So the idea is to make all decisions upstream during design and planning so that there is no room for mistakes further down in the process.
0: My goodness, what a utopic vision of the world. Let's listen together some more.
1: This is a very important and ongoing debate, uh, both internally and with our suppliers, because our suppliers are looking for new markets. And... And... Ultimately, I think we will be working very closely with humanitarian organizations like Red Cross and the likes who have logistical experience because I think that the key challenge will be logistics and the ability to mobilize really quickly and be responsive and nimble and be able to set up operations anywhere where it's called for in uh, terms of a a crisis mode type uh, operation. But our building blocks are built so they could equally serve in an affordable social housing market as well as a luxury market. Because ultimately, we can clad this in diamonds and emeralds and gold for those who want maximum bling-bling, if they like that. But you can also go at the other end of the spectrum and allow people to, to finish the house themselves. The goal is really to help local communities embrace some of the modular elements in our value chain such as the finishing panels so that we will always source certain components locally and i am i'm not i'm not a big believer in the word disruption in fact i hate the word disruption i think we should uh, speak of a change of uh, evolutionary change and 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 sustainable change in fact Uh, if I have it my way, I would like to disrupt the disruptors.
0: Disrupting the disruptors. I asked Rune to clarify this point a little bit further.
1: All they care about is quick entry, quick exit, and to concentrate a lot of means of production and capital in very few hands. And they want the famous S-curve and make billions of dollars. But I don't think the current VC model is sustainable that way. And I think we rather should look for platforms that are based on cooperation and distribution of the means of of production. And I don't think that's a socialist idea. Uh, I think it's actually uh, a a capitalist and competitive and entrepreneurial idea, which is anti-collusion and anti-monopolistic behavior, because the idea is to give as much entrepreneurial opportunity to as many localities and individual entrepreneurs as possible.
0: Okay. So, We've covered capitalism versus socialism, but let's not veer off topic too much. Rune is positing a very important claim here that you might have overlooked. For capital to flourish, it needs concentration. In fact, VCs, venture capital funds, aim to time their funding at just exactly the right moment in order to seize maximum capital returns for their exits. They're aiming to make the most money in the fastest way by concentrating their investments and carefully timing their cash injections and their exits. So VCs are planning for the end before they even put a nickel down in the potential investment. Let's listen to Ange-Québec VC investor André Foray.:
1: If you want to create value, you'd rather be the, you know, the biggest player in a specific geography than for the same uh, revenue level being spread out across you know North America or, or the world. So the most... Um, dense you are, uh, the better uh, the value creation uh, will be.
0: Okay. Thank you, André. Let's get back to distributed capital to cultivate jobs and safe, sustainable cities. Who is this guy, Rune, exactly? And what is this firm, Productive, actually working on?
1: This has taken me a lot of business therapy, business coaching, as I call it. So basically, Productive today is a technology and design firm serving the construction industry. We are focusing on building a construction system made up of of modular elements that we are integrating through our digital platform.
0: Fantastic. Now, what does that look like exactly? The goal is to make
1: the process from design table to execution 80% faster than current practices and 20% cheaper in conventional markets, but also make a a sort of a kit that is quick to mobilize to theaters of war and post-reconstruction uh, in disaster zones so that we can mobilize this capability and enable local communities to rebuild their, their
0: home. In theory, this sounds like a noble idea. But Rune and his team will have to contend with regulatory considerations, along with just plain getting people to work with one another. How does he plan to accomplish this challenging task?
1: Again, I will have to distinguish between a 3D volumetric approach that you see in North America, where you are shipping and stacking boxes, and a 2D panelized approach, which you're seeing mostly in Europe. And there also is a hybrid approach where you kind of take the best of the two worlds. And that's what Productive is doing. Uh, for certain systems, such as mechanical rooms, where you have a certain degree of equipment, like solar panels or, or or batteries or or toilets, or those elements are by definition 3D and are best to package in pods. And and therefore should be specified as 3D elements or volumetric elements. However, all the other parts, such as floors, walls, roofs, uh, are much better to package and ship as flat pack. And that does not put the kind of strain on on transport and and volume.
0: Just so we are clear here, we're talking about prepackaged flat panel packaging for a home. And pods or box packaging for 3D things like toilets, sinks, and cupboards. Okay, back to Rune.
1: Definitely, there are limits to how big a module you can put on a truck and ship down the road. Now, there are certain companies that do a great job at volumetric stacking of boxes, such as IKEA, Marriott. Wait,
0: what? Marriott.
1: Marriott hotels are are doing a fantastic job in in doing kind of off-site construction of entire hotel rooms that are beautifully fitted and then they're transported on the truck to site and hoisted into place by a crane and they do it very well and and uh, it's hard to beat what they do but mostly in north america you see a very poor job in fact what you're seeing is that people are doing conventional construction in a warehouse with the same exact problems of the supply chain or, or, of a regular construction site, except that you're doing it under a roof. And then they put boxes on the truck and then they have enormous pitting problems and, and trade problems that are, that are, are, are uh, symptomatic of all the problems of construction today. In Europe, uh, I think they're about 20, 30 years advanced in doing panelized approach, where they do a flat pack truck to the site and then they hoist panels and connect them on site. And I've studied and I visited uh, a lot of factories in Europe and I've been able to kind of pinpoint uh, what's the next step and challenge for those state-of-the-art factories to make the last step of the transition into Industry 4.0. So uh, I'm trying to apply those lessons learned from the best in class, and also bring some innovation to the table in terms of streamlining the entire process.
0: Okay, proof of concept, yes, that's nice. But where does Rune intend to commercialize his products and services?
1: So I fall in love easily, and one of my love affairs is with a Finnish company. They uh, produce laminated veneer lumber, They are a cooperative of, I think, 60,000 foresters that responsibly manage their forest supply and uh, are part owners in this international conglomerate uh, that has, you know, a couple of billion dollars in revenues a year, and they ship to everywhere in the world. They're laminated veneer lumber panels, and I have a very good relationship with them.
0: Excellent. So, we are a small fish pairing ourselves with a much larger fish. Wouldn't be the first one. And what are the criteria which helped you forge this trailblazing relationship?
1: Everyone I work with have to pass a two-step test. First of all, I think there has to be shared values. If they don't recognize climate change or see you know, the housing crisis as a, as a looming factor on the horizon, then I think it's difficult for me to relate. And uh, secondly, I think they have to be firm believers that there will be a massive paradigm shift away from the competitive paradigm towards a cooperation paradigm.
0: Transformational change in the fundamental way we engage in trade, commerce, and capital allocation. Please continue.
1: Bright minds and uh, architects and engineers and construction professional uh, realize that we have to take over professional vocation seriously and put our heads together to try to unite uh, against the enormous challenges we are facing. And that comes back to your previous question about uh, you know, disruption versus uh, transformative change. I think those people who only focus on capital fall back into this short-term trap. Now if everyone is thinking five years is long-term and everyone is making decisions based on short-term considerations, meaning less than five years, then I believe the only social entity left on this planet actually making long-term decisions is the family unit, who theoretically at least make decisions for grandparents, parents, and children. So that's three generations. And I think in a society, we gotta be able to make decisions that are a little bit longer-term than the five-year plan.
0: Family units. Business imitating this mode of long-term thinking. No fear of sacrificing short-term profit for long-term sustainability. Okay, but again, where? We
1: are working in early stages of discussions with a, a waterless combustion toilet in Norway. And they, like Bill Gates, who is chasing... A solution to to the water based uh, toilet, water closet, which I think is the most stupid invention of humankind ever. Taking a a, a clean, hard earned water resource, which is scarce, and then mixing it with <laughs> which is actually a great resource both for agriculture and then urine, which is actually an amazing uh, resource for for agriculture as well. And then we mix all those hard-earned resources, and in a swoop of less than a second, we have created a huge liability to society that very few people can afford to treat.
0: Rethinking the entire workflow of the modern toilet. A bit beyond our scope today, but if you wish to learn more about this, I strongly suggest you listen to Reed Hoffman's interview with Bill Gates on what his foundation is doing about it check out the Masters of Scale podcast episode 55. Back to Rune, rethinking the entire workflow of how we build buildings and the components inside of them.
1: The point is to, like you did with the Norwegian school lunch or with uh, dental hygiene or with washing your hands or collecting garbage in the street, we learned as kids in Norway and kids brought that knowledge home to their parents. So I think if we want to reach grown-ups like Greta of Sweden has so well demonstrated I believe we have to start with the children and the youth in order for grown-ups to change their ways. <laughs>
0: Now, in terms of the uh, current state of affairs, uh, you have definitely some great ideas. You're still hunting for applications and for markets in terms of where, how, and uh, at what cost your ideas will be implemented. And one of the big ones in the construction industry uh, is it is a very highly regulated industry. You have to have building permits, and these building permits are are controlled by municipal governments and certainly uh, are not having any incentive towards innovation, even though, as we can see, city after city declaring as a city that there is a climate crisis and that we have to do something about it. And well, once that's done, They don't really have uh, an answer of what's the next step that they're going to take. And I think that what you're trying to do, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is to position yourself as to when people will finally wake up, they'll finally be able to have a solution, which you've been working on for years because this is complicated stuff, folks, and it takes time and it takes some very hard thinking with some very smart people uh, and some failures as well along the way in order to have the learnings to be able to put something out there that is cheap, reliable and sustainable in order for it to work. So what would the RUNE uh, now tell the RUNE five years ago about building sustainable development projects?
1: Don't use your own money, <laughs> find, find backers that, that, that believe in you. Um, I, I'm impatient and I, I felt this uh, was already coming and uh, I spent a lot of my own money and because I really believe in what I'm doing. And I know the time is coming, but I miscalculated how long it would take. At the time, I also thought the phone would ring off the hook, it didn't. And I therefore had to do a sort of a crossing crossing of the desert, asking myself, uh, what what was wrong? Why isn't the market ready? And uh, in the end, I, I came uh, to the conclusion that, that People are very entrenched in their ways, and they will beat a dead horse to into the ground before they realize that there is a new, more viable, uh, like a blue ocean strategy that can be pursued uh, instead of this, again, uh, competitive bloodshedding that is going on right now. And people are waking up to it, uh, talking about platform, cooperation, all of these things. But Still, I believe very few people are actually understanding and incorporating it into their business models. And I think you have had to live it and suffer a bit like I have uh, in order to to fully embrace. And you also have to be tested, hence the crossing of the desert, where do you really have the guts and the courage and the staying power to believe truly and all the way in, in what you're seeing coming. And I believe uh, now, this time around, I've surrounded myself with, with people that compliment uh, myself and therefore we have a much better team. We have a hard core team that share values. And I think sharing values and value-based leadership is becoming more and more important. This in a day and age where anyone can Photoshop and fabricate fake news and, and invent credibility authenticity, you know, being authentic about what you believe in and proving it uh, through your steps and your actions and your history. Ultimately, that's the hard currency. Do you have the guts and the authenticity and the staying power to go all the way?
0: One can never understate the courage it takes to pursue a vision, despite everyone around you hanging on to the status quo. Rune aims to be a catalyst for this cultural shift in construction. He has indeed paid a dear price, but nevertheless has a very clear idea of what solutions he can bring to the table to solve these sustainability issues. He must now hunt for how to commercialize his ideas and insert them into current markets, or perhaps simply create a new one.
1: We are trying on the technical side and and believe me, the technical side is the easy part. The 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 hard part is the cultural side, is actually, you know, having people start thinking differently about, about the value chain and how to, to work together. Um, but the technical side is relatively easy. But the main challenge is to, to get a minimal viable product out. And by a minimum, I mean the smallest, thing that is viable that we can sell with a profit and a product of course that we can put our name and brand on.
0: What are cities like Tokyo, Munich, and others doing to lead the way to create healthy, inclusive, and integrated urban areas? Have we reached a point in time where the market is ready to hear Rune's story? I think so. And those ready to lead the charge are young, motivated people who see the urgency to act. People want green but they just can't find it. Pioneers like Rune Kongshog are aiming to hunt those markets. We'll see where he lands as we prepare for our next conversation. Market Hunt is produced by Cartouche Media in collaboration with Seroton Studios in Montreal and Pop-Up Podcasting in Ottawa. Market Hunt is part of the IE Knowledge Hub Network. Funding for this program comes from the Social Sciences and Humanities Resource Council of Canada. Executive Producers, Hamid Etamat, McGill University, Des Hotel Faculty of Management, and Hamid Motagi, Université de Québec en Outaouais. Associate Producer, José Orlando Montes, Université de Québec à Montréal. Technical Producers, Simon Petraki, Seratone Studio, and Lisa Carrido, Pop-Up Podcasting. Show Consultant, JP Davidson. Artwork by Melissa Jondro. You can check out the IE Knowledge Hub case study on Productive, as well as other cases, at ie-knowledgehub.ca. For Market Hunt, I'm Thierry Harris. Thanks for listening.